You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanishevsky. All right, here we go. We're underway. Welcome to the Okamon Sports Podcast, Natasha and L Al L Al. We're off to a great start, Al. There we go. There we go. It's two, it's two letters, but this is where we're at. Uh, <laughs> it's Friday. It's Friday. It's an excuse. No worries. All good. I'm going to blame it on the fact that I stayed up a little late last night watching the Flames. Uh, win again beating LA it was a it was a bit of a late game so that that's my excuse the flames have been playing really well. I know we'll talk about hockey a little bit later but uh but all good you know what I was up I was at the Raptors game last night so I similarly was up late and having a few celebratory beverages after the Raps beat the defending champion bucks um so yeah I was up late as well but no all good okay. uh yeah we'll get it we got lots to talk about as usual hockey uh, CFL, NFL, or, but we wanted to start uh, with the CPL. Are you going to the finals this week? I am not, and it's such an exciting weekend for the, the you know the few domestic Canadian leagues that we have. It's a big yeah. weekend, right? So this weekend is the Canadian Premier League soccer finals on Sunday with Hamilton playing uh, playing Pacific. So I'm not going, unfortunately. Uh, I had to choose, and I'm going to go see the Argos game um, just because of a previous commitment. But I kind of am intrigued by this uh, by the CPL final because I've I've had a chance to go to a few games this year, and uh, man, it's good. The quality of soccer. I mean, I'm going to call it soccer because I'm a Canadian. Uh, the quality of soccer is is really, really, really good, actually. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm sad I'm going to be missing it, but uh, but it should be a great game, right, this weekend. Yes. Well, you can't be everywhere, so don't feel bad about it. But um, you're right. The final, I mean, it's shaping up to be an interesting one for sure. Vancouver Island Pacific FC against Forge FC. Of course, you and I were in Hamilton for one of those uh, Forge games. They've already won the title twice. They're the only team to win the title in the league because it's only been around for its third year, right? So, so far, they are the one and only champion in the league. And I was reading about this game uh, this morning. And Pacific FC has actually never beat Forge FC. Never. <laughs> In three years. Ever. <laughs> so what kind of mentality, if you are Pacific FC, what what kind of, what's in your head heading into this yeah. game? How do you prepare for this game? I mean, I guess the obvious thing is you literally, you have nothing to lose, right? Like you go out. Exactly. Guns ablazing. But I That's wonder it. what sort of mental hurdles, if any, they're facing heading into this game. You know, me as a okay, as a sports fan, right, which I am before anything else, uh, a sports fan, there's a couple of, you know, themes I always like when it comes to the championships, right? So one is when you get the two best teams playing against each other. That's always fun when, you know, like when Colorado got eliminated last year in the first round of the playoffs in hockey, you lose one of the better teams in the league. So when you have the two best teams playing, that's always fun. But I also like the David and Goliath. Right. I also like when there's this big monster who has been, you know, three time league champion and best team in the league this year. And then you got this little Victoria Island team who is, you know, obviously population very small. Obviously, they have to compete against the Whitecaps and the Canucks and, uh, you know, the uh, the Kraken and, and everybody else. But they have uh, I, I love the idea of 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 David going against Goliath. And I think I mean, to your point, that's what it has to be. Right. It's it's get that slingshot ready and just come out firing because um, you have nothing to lose. But I think it always makes for a very exciting kind of storyline uh, around the final. And I think um, look, Pacific has had beat the Whitecaps this year. I don't know if you knew that, but back in August, they actually beat the Whitecaps. So they have, obviously they're good, right? They're beating MLS teams. And I know Hamilton has also beat uh, an MLS team. They beat the Montreal CF, I believe. Um, so I think it's, I mean, it speaks really well for the quality of soccer, I think. And, uh, and look, I don't, uh, I don't, as a betting person, I also like underdogs, and the lines for this weekend's game are actually, you know, they're a little closer than uh, than you may anticipate, given the the absolute dominance and the fact that you said, you know, that uh, Pacific has never beaten Forge in, in three years. But as of right now, um, Forge is of course a favorite, so they yes. are a plus one hundred five favorite. Uh, but Pacific FC is plus one ninety, and the draw is plus two ten. So that means they're saying it's more likely that Pacific FC wins than the game ends in a draw. Um, so in soccer, there's three-way betting, right? So it's, you can win, lose, or draw, which sure. makes things a little bit different in terms of the way odds are odds are structured. Um, so you have three outcomes effectively versus two outcomes. Um, and in this case, the least possible outcome seems to be a draw. So they're actually favoring Pacific FC to win over a draw, which is 
indicative, I think, of a, a closer game than most people, I think, uh, that most people anticipate. Okay. Yeah, well, it's going to be fun. I'm intrigued. You're right. Uh, and I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but I am always a fan of the underdog and there's the first time for everything. So, uh, so who knows on Sunday, what's yeah. the weather like down in your area? You know what it is, uh, it is awfully nice right now. And I think it's supposed to be an okay weekend. So I don't think we're okay. going to have snow or rain or anything to deal with. So it should be kind of a pretty natural matchup, um, uh, on the field. I think we're looking at, you know, zero degrees and a little bit of sun. So it should be, it should be a fun day. I think it should be a fun day. I'm, and I'm going to, uh, Get a little action on Pacific FC because, like you, I'm a I'm a fan of the underdog, and I think, look, I think you know that there's some there's some value in that side, uh, in my opinion. Pacific FC was the highest scoring team in the CPL this year, um, so they they kind of had the most goals offensively. Obviously, Hamilton had the best record at sixteen and two, um, and Hamilton has these you know has these players, Kyle Decker and you know, Tristan Henry, and so they have these more kind of high profile players and but i don't know i will see we'll see i'm, I'm, I'm gonna be rooting hard for uh for for pacific this weekend i think will you also be rooting hard for the argos you have to ask really <laughs> yes. i am such a homer i am such a homer that okay. i will yes i will so yesterday morning i was watching cp24 here and i saw mayor tory and pinball clemens talking in a press conference saying that we need all of Toronto to come out to this Argos uh, Hamilton game because um, those Hamilton guys are going to be climbing up the 403 in the QEW trying to invade our city. So I will be there on Sunday and I will be cheering heartily for the, uh, for the Argos. So yeah, I, I mean, to, to, to get to that topic is it's division playoff weekend in the CFL. This is where it starts to get really, really, really good in the CFL. So I'm, I'm very excited about being in that game on Sunday afternoon. And when it comes to betting, I'm curious about your thoughts on this game because the Ticats have lost three of four against the Argos this season. So if Toronto wins this Sunday, that means they'll have won four straight against Hamilton. It's hard to beat a team that many times in a row. So I'm really curious to see how this one plays out. And Hamilton's been playing really well, right? Especially on the defensive side of the ball, I think. Especially last week, that's what saved their bacon. Uh, in that snow game against uh, against the Alouettes last week, so I think uh, I think defensively they're a bit of a different team. I know that you know, of course, Toronto has won three or four, and some of two of those matchups came early in the season, I believe. So I, you know, I and football, like in the NFL, I think the CFL is the same. Momentum counts for a lot, uh, right? So you know, kind of hitting your stride at the right point counts for a lot, and uh, I think. Um, and of the game this weekend, so that line right now is only minus two uh, right now for Hamilton. Okay. Um, yeah, so Hamilton is a slight. Uh, road favorite uh, at this point right now. So, the, so look, I think the Argos go as far as, you know, their quarterback, Bethel Thompson, takes them. And, I, you know, I don't know if he's had the you – know, he's been a little shaky in kind of previous – in the previous few starts. So this one, as far as the bookmakers are concerned, is is pretty much a pick em, um, which is going to make for an exciting game. Here's a super weird wrinkle, though. I don't know if you've seen this yet. It just came out this morning. Maybe you saw it. Did you see McLeod Bethel Thompson at the Raps game the other night? I did not. So he was at the game and I'm, I'm reading this right off my phone because it just came out. He's being okay. held at a practice today, Friday, because he's at the game and it's a violation of the CFL COVID protocol, which states he now has to be in quarantine for four days. No. Now, if we do the math, the game is Sunday. So apparently the team wanted him to go this is all just very new information. So I don't know how accurate it is, but apparently the team wanted him to like, you go to the game and, and sort of promote yeah, sure. the, the thing, but I guess he violated protocol and he was on TV. He did an interview with the network and now they're saying he has to quarantine. So unbelievable. So, so now, what? So yeah, I'm let's see. see how that line changes depending on well, what the heck happens here. It's a great question. That's <laughs> it, it, interesting information. So I'm going to be focused on this line significantly over the next little bit. And, uh, it hasn't moved much right now. So if this information is true, you know, Hamilton, or maybe it is, maybe that's why Hamilton's a minus, yeah, a minus two right now. So uh, very interesting information though. I'm going to have to do some research after we're done. We're done chatting here and, 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 and check, check out the, your source of information. Yeah. Well, I think it's a pretty good source. Well, I mean, Dave Naylor is reporting it. Who works wow. With okay. Dave usually, usually knows what's up definitely um, but like i said it's it's pretty brand new so we'll see how this story evolves um interesting over interesting. the course of the day yeah the yeah, other thing very much I, so. 
sorry to cut you off. I, I, the other thing I was curious to ask you about was you were at the Riders game on the weekend. I think your first time watching the Riders home game. Yeah. You picked a hell of a game to go to because I flipped it on with like late in the yes. fourth quarter and it was an outstanding finish. What was the experience was. like for you? Well, a couple of reasons I picked a great game. One, uh, Regina in November <laughs> wasn't the most exciting thing for me. I'll be completely honest. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. But you know what? The weather was great. It was like one, two degrees. It was sunny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was watching the other game, the Hamilton-Montreal game on TV, and they were getting minus four and snow. So I, I picked the right city to be in, at least for, uh, for a CFL game. Um, have you been to Mosaic Stadium? I haven't. Office? No, I'm jealous that you've gone because I have yet to see a Riders home game, which is Holy. a that stadium, and I was told many times before I got there that it's a really, really, really attractive, beautiful, modern stadium. I had no idea it looked like that. It's like an oasis in the middle of nowhere. So when, when the Uber pulls up and there's, there's a Dairy Queen fairly close, <laughs> I got out of the Dairy Queen and I'm walking across the street and there's just this mass of very modern looking. It, it was, it's, a, it's an amazing facility. Um, I was really, 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 really impressed. I've been to a lot of you know NFL cities and I've been to a lot of games in, uh, in various countries, soccer or whatever else. And um, it's up there. It's up there. It was really, really, really impressive in the way in terms of laid out. And and again, to your point, what a game! Uh, the first half was, you know, not the not the most exciting to watch. It was five interceptions, I think, in the first half, and uh, the offense wasn't moving very well. But man, that second half was uh, was exciting. And one thing I will say is shout out to the entire Saskatchewan uh, Rough Riders fan base because man, those guys love their football. And I uh, I was told it it compares to some degree to the Canadian Lambeau field. And I completely understand that comparison now because those guys and their cowbells are ringing all, all game long. They are ringing the all game long, Natasha. They are ringing these cowbells um, all game long, but the passion, (laughs) the passion and the excitement was amazing. And it makes, it makes, and it just makes the whole experience that much better. Right. I mean, the guys beside me, high five. I've never met this guy in my life. High fives and almost gave him a hug at one point. Uh, I'm not even a Rough Riders fan, but you know what? Just being in the vibe and being in the energy. It was, it was, uh, it was an amazing experience. So my, a, a good one for my first visit. Did you put a watermelon on your head at any point? <laughs> I did. I did not put a watermelon on my head. Um, okay. I'm not going to lie. I did see a few watermelon heads <laughs> I'm rolling sure around. You did. Um, I'm sure, yeah, there were quite a few there. Some of the, um, some of the costumes, some of the wear, some of the garb that folks were wearing were really interesting. Right, one dude in a, like a full neon green tuxedo with a super high top hat walking around. And the top hat actually had LED writing on it and it had messages. You can, wow. It was really cool. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, but again, it, it just speaks it speaks to the, to the passion of the fan base. Right? It's like what you see when you watch a Raiders game and you see the guy in the end zone with the spikes and the face paint and all that stuff. I saw that in, in Regina on the weekend and I thought it was really, really cool. And I'm happy the Riders are... are got a chance to move on against the uh, against the bombers this weekend which is the other game that we have to uh, that we're going to talk about real quick here yeah i uh i mean you're right i echo everything you say their their fan base is amazing everybody knows that they're probably the, the most passionate fans in all yeah. of the cfl so yeah it's it's great that they've they're moving on here against the bombers but i think they're i think they're, <laughs> they're in tough al they're in tough they're uh, in winnipeg um, facing one of yeah. the Bombers who haven't lost at home all season. So, again, the Riders are underdogs. I, would I pick the Riders in this case, though, even though I like the underdog? I don't know. I think I put my money on the Bombers. <laughs> I think I would, too. You know what? Right now, it's uh, it just went. I, it's been floating between eight points and eight and a half points. It's at eight and a half points right now. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's uh, that, that's, a, that's a healthy margin in the CFL game, for sure. But, look, the Bombers have looked amazing. However, there was news this morning that Andrew Harris – is not looking great, who was supposed to play again this weekend. Just this morning, he either didn't practice today or sustained a small setback at practice today. Uh, so he actually may not be starting in the backfield for the Bombers, which will have an impact because he's a yeah, he's a monster. Um, but their defense and you know and and their other weapons on offense are, are they're going to be tough to beat. It's going to be it's going to be an uphill battle for sure for for the Riders. But uh, let's see. I mean, look. I mean, if, if the Riders can move the ball on the ground, you know what? Fajardo ran for ninety yards last last week, and he kind of tried his best to throw the game away in the first half and, and was able to, to figure it out the second half. So if he can do that, I, I, the guy's a winner and he, he, he was, he willed them to victory last week. So maybe he can pull it off again uh, this week against the Bombers. 
We shall see. I did see we that note on Andy Harris as well. I, I feel like it would take yeah. a lot for someone not to play this time of year, but you're right. Agreed. Who knows? And that would be a big loss for Winnipeg for sure. How cool would it be for Hamilton if they do pull this off to play the Grey Cup at home? Wouldn't that be sound a lot of fun? So next week the, yes. the Grey Cup is in Hamilton. That would be a that would be a pretty cool experience, I think, for you know, for home fans to be able to see their team playing in kind of a neutral state and, and what's supposed to be a neutral stadium. I, yeah, that's a great point. And especially Hamilton has an outstanding fan base as well. Like they will have that place if they are hosting that game. And I, lo- I love when that, like the team hosting the Grey Cup is actually in it as well. It just absolutely like, it adds a different kind of vibe to the whole thing. So I'm yeah. with you. It'd be fun to see. That, that being said, I'm still cheering for the Argos. Let's not get it <laughs> twisted here. I'd like that's to see fair. this. You know, that's cool. But the Argos, I, I, I'm a homer. I'm a Toronto boy. So I will be rooting as hard as I can for the uh, for the Argos this weekend. And having a few beers at the game while I'm there as well. Yeah, that's fair. Of course. You're, uh, it's just hitting me now. Your Toronto teams, man, they are, they're, well, I, the Raptors not so much, but they did win the other night against Milwaukee, mm-hmm. which is awesome. But Toronto teams in general, I mean, your Leafs, like, this Rolling. week, 3-0-0, outscoring opponents 14-4. to Like, they are on fuego. You must be very happy about that. They played, uh... Not Pittsburgh, Colorado. I was Colorado, yeah. This amazing game against Colorado, but the Avs didn't. I mean, full credit to the Leafs, but the Avs didn't show up that much. But man, Toronto is just walking through teams right now. They sneaky dominated the Avs a couple nights ago. I thought Kadri was going to come back into town, and McKinnon's back, and there's going to be this offensive explosion. Um, I mean, your stat of the last week is impressive, but let's go back a month, right? In November, no team has been hotter than the Leafs. So twelve and two. Uh, amazing goaltending, right? Great penalty kill, great power play. Um, I think most important, they didn't lose a road game all month. And most importantly, I think for us Leafs fans are, they're not losing games that they should win, right? There's always been the history of they play down to their competition. You know, all of a sudden they're going to play against, you know, Buffalo or whoever else, or, you know, Phoenix. And you just, you just see the letdown in the offense. And this year, this year hasn't been that way so far. Uh, Another cool stat is, only one forward in November didn't score. Um, and that's Nick Ritchie. Only forward in November that did not like the oh. lineup, which I think speaks a lot. So, you know, so we all know the core four are playing really yeah. well, but, you know, the other forwards are playing really well as well. And they're, they're contributing, I think, on offense, which I think is, uh, is, uh, is very important. So we'll, we'll see how – I wish the playoffs started today. We're in first place, right? It's, it, it, doesn't happen, it doesn't happen very often when we get into first place. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an exciting time. But, I mean, same with your Flames. I mean, let's, let's talk about the Flames. I mean, if, if talk wow. about hot teams and talk about teams that are at the top of their game, I mean, they're playing pretty well, right? Okay, first off, we're not going to call them my Flames just because <laughs> I live in this city. Let's just, let's just dial that back for a second. Okay, okay. Back. However, uh, I feel like, I mean, you can't deny they are super fun to watch right now. I went to the game on Saturday, my first hockey game of the year, which was nice. So great to be back in the building. I was so happy. Like, I felt like I couldn't wipe the smile off my face the whole night. Uh, Winnipeg was in town. The Jets had lost, I think it was five in a row heading into that game. So they were kind of due for a a win. And sure enough, Calvary got up to nothing, but the Jets came back and won. Um, in overtime, or no, not in overtime, sorry, in regulation, they scored late in the game. Okay. Anyways, Jets won, but the Flames were, I mean, they were right there, it, but it was just, yeah, like we said, the Flames won again yesterday, and they're just, they're they're clicking right along, too. I, I listened to uh, Daryl Sutter, he had, you know, doing post and pregame a little bit, and he's got that team moving in the right direction. Yeah. I think there were a lot of questions about, you know, how, what the fit would be like with him and a younger team, but whatever he's doing is working. It is, yeah, it is agreed. 100%. So it's, it's, it's on both sides. Of, it's on both sides of the puck as well. Right. I mean, it's not just yes. the offense. It's not just the defense right now. Their goal differential for this year is 30, which is by far the best in the league. Um, right. So right. goals for minus goals against, yeah. uh, I think the Leafs right now are sitting at, let me have a quick look here at 22. Right. And okay. we say the Leafs are the hottest team over the last, over yeah. the last five weeks. So Calgary has just built up this this kind of this lead over the first little bit and are just playing out of their minds. And uh, I, I don't know, for me anyway, of all the Canadian teams, and it's, it's going to pain me to say this a little bit right now, I think Calgary might be like the funnest to watch, right? The most exciting. Like there's, there's constant scoring. There's Kachuk is awesome. Right? All those guys are they're, they're an entertaining, exciting, engaging team. So I think they're my probably my favorite Canadian team to watch right now, just given the uh, how well they're playing. 
It's very mature of you to admit that. <laughs> Thank you. I've never been called mature in my life before. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Just a second. The, you want to say the Oilers are more exciting to watch than the Flames? You'd think so, right? With McDavid <laughs> no, and Drysaddle and stuff, but not. But no, I would say no. To be honest, I think watching the. I mean, I've watched a few of. Uh, I've watched a few of, of both over the last little bit. And uh, I don't know. I just there's something about the Flames and and kind of the way they move the puck on offense. And again, it's it's a little bit, a bit more of a gritty game, I guess, right? Than the than, than the Oilers, who obviously are more skilled and high flying, and you know have the the big scorers and such. Uh, something about the Flames, I'm, I'm really enjoying watching right now, especially Kachuk. He's uh, he's he's turning into a, a favorite player of mine, um, just kind of slowly but surely. And again, this is uh, a bit tough to admit on my side. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I don't I don't disagree with you. I obviously McDavid, Drysaddle, those guys are unreal to watch but the flames as a whole i really enjoyed that game on saturday and even cool. the, the jets too i mean kyle connor i think it might be the most underrated player in the league like he was just yeah. zipping around like just the whole game was just good and fun and fast and yeah i agree that the flames are um they're almost oh god I'm like, they're like must watch hockey right now say so, it oh my goodness you said it must watch hockey I'm reporting you to the Edmonton Tourism Bureau. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So the other side of that coin, though, as if you watch, I mean, if we talk about the pride in watching Calgary and Edmonton and Toronto. Are you seeing this dumpster fire that's happening in Montreal right now? I, you know like, what? I'm kind of watching it from afar just because like it is on fire literally. And I don't want to get too close. Like, my goodness. So yeah, happening. I don't blame you. You know, this, that, the other thing that changes, I just, I mean, I, I am a fan of all the Canadian teams. Like I always say, I want Montreal to do well. They're such a storied franchise or an unreal um, organization, but yeah, there, there's a few issues right now. And I just feel like just get it all straightened out and we'll talk to you next year is how I, you know what I look to your point. I am, I, I grew up in Toronto, born and raised. And uh, that means I'm conditioned from kindergarten onwards to dislike the Habs, right? It's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, even me, I, I'm thinking, man, I, I, I want to see them do a little better. I, I like cheering against them, but I don't want to see what's going on now. Did you see yesterday that someone tossed a jersey onto the ice after the game? I did. Like, yeah. that, I, and again, I, I, know, I know it's a small symbol. I know it doesn't mean a lot. It's one tool that maybe, you know, threw away his $100 jersey. But uh, that speaks – I mean, I saw the camera, that, and, and it didn't show on the broadcast. It was only on social media afterwards that it kind of came out on Twitter. Um, but to see the, the jersey crumpled up, and there was a hat apparently on the ice – in isolation, uh, and especially, I think it was the 26th anniversary of, of John Bellavo's death, or no, seven-year anniversary of, of Bellavo's death, and the 26th-year anniversary of Patrick Wassing. He will never play for that franchise again. Uh, it was all yesterday. So just the whole combination of things and emotions in Montreal. It's I really hope they uh, they get this figured out and they get this new management team and this new management structure in place. But look, they lost somebody yesterday to injury, right? Two to four weeks. I think Johnson's out for two to four weeks now. Two more guys on COVID restriction list now, so 10 days up for each of them. Um, there's discussion around, uh, what's an adventure up, being potential trade target, right? And oh, getting yeah. a first round. So that they are going to, it could get worse before it gets better, which is, which oh, is a bit sure. sad. For sure. We'll it's uh, yeah. like I said, I just feel like it's like see you next year because this rest of the year, there's just so much to work through. Um, and figure out with the management and everything. And it's just one of like, it's just hard to believe they were in the Stanley Cup final last year. Like, that what? wasn't long ago. That was like two seasons ago. Right. I, I mean, meaning like, like, like fall and summer. That wasn't that, that wasn't that long ago. That was right. just, you know, just three, four or five months. It seems like, yeah. Crazy, crazy. How the, how the mighty have fallen. And it, it, it's kind of amazing. And I guess kind of cool how quickly things can, you know, kind of, kind of change, go from first to worst. I don't know if there's uh you see that in any other sport as much as, as, as hockey where teams go from, you know, being at the top of their game one year to uh, literally the bottom of the barrel and in reverse, right? Sometimes like beginning of the year, we saw Buffalo playing really, really well. They've kind of come back to earth now to some degree, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, I hope it gets better. I hope for those fans and I hope for the sake of Canadian teams and Canadian hockey fans that they, they, they figure that thing out. They will. They will sort it out for sure. Um, I, I have no doubts. Uh, before we, we, we need to talk, talk about the NFL, of course, as we always do, but I wanted to just give a heads up to the folks listening that Brad Gushu is coming up a little later on the podcast. You weren't able nice. to do that for the interview, but he and I spoke earlier this morning. 
He uh, is fresh off of winning the Canadian Olympic trials. So he will represent Canada in Beijing. Uh, it was, I was glued to my couch all weekend long. We're watching curling. It was so good. So he, uh, he was on the podcast. He'll be on in a few minutes. I will play the interview for you. So you don't What's amazing is when you told me, when you told me last week that Brad Gushu was going to be on and like you, I actually watched curling last week because of the implication of what's happened. This is to compete for Canada. Right. So I was yes. like, man, I want to see this. And, uh, I was, I was amazed that I knew who Brad Gushu was when you told me Brad Gushu coming. I thought, oh, cool. Like, I know who this guy is. And, um, I don't know. I, the curling has become a bit of a kind of a rock star sport for me. I'm kind of starting to, I'm starting to dig it a little bit now. I never did before, but I'm starting to, now I understand the scoring a little bit more and I'm starting to get a sense of the strategy a little bit more and realize yep. this is like quite a, quite a fun game to, uh, to actually t- to be a spectator of. It's very addicting, I think. So if you, yeah, if you get into a little bit more, I think you'll find it hard to turn away. And Gush, I mean, he's a household name. He, he was at the Olympics in 2006. He already has an Olympic gold medal 15 years ago. Now he's going back. So it was cool actually to listen to him talk about just the different perspective he has now going in. Like he's in such a different place than he was before. So uh, yes, so that interview is coming up. But before we do that, we still have to chat about the NFL. And I, of course, lost again. <laughs> last week uh what did i know oh, yeah. rams rams lost to uh Aaron rams packers yeah. over there or whatever so there's another uh latte for you yeah 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 we're uh yeah my uh my card's getting full. The, the Spice Latte <laughs> card is getting full. Um, be weary, Natasha. Be weary of road favorites in the NFL. They're they're they always get you. And, I, and this is coming from somebody who's experienced this firsthand, being a better and stuff. Road road favorites, especially in those key matchup games, are uh, are, are the, the, they always they always seem to bite you in the butt somehow. Um, well, that brings me to the Ravens and Steelers then, because I want to take the Ravens right. on the road this weekend. <laughs> so you're giving me the Steelers on this? So Did you see the Steelers, the Steelers. beat by 41 to 10 last week by the Bengals? Or you, you saw that, right? The, when the Steelers got blown out. So I get the Steelers. Yeah. Um, okay. Are you okay you know with what? That? Yeah. Well, you look, I mean, okay. I have uh, grown up obviously watching NFL football and there's something about AFC North divisional matchups that seems to, you know, kind of, uh, trend away from what you're seeing in, 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 in other games. Meaning these two teams always just, they're almost like nine, six games or, you know, 12, nine games. When these two teams play against each other, they're always competitive. They're always, you know, reasonably close. Um, so I think I am okay jumping on the, uh, the home team, right? Jumping on the Steelers bandwagon uh, just for this week. Now, right now, the uh, Steelers are only a four and a half point underdog. At home, right? right? And this is coming off because, quite frankly, Baltimore has looked like not good over the last. I don't know if you watched that game last week. Lamar had four interceptions in the first half, oh. I think three in the first quarter. I watched um, it. Yeah, yeah, I watched it. Yeah. It was his lowest rated passing game of his career. And yeah, the four interceptions, I mean, it, 165 yards he threw. So I know he was brutal. But that's why I feel like. I mean, I know he's struggling, but I feel like he's going to have a bounce back game here. I think, yeah. even though he's been so you know, erratic, that's what my, that's where my hope lies. Right? Is that he's going to bounce back this this week against the Steelers? So on both teams, they both have you know one really dominant defensive player, right? And they have a great defense, as both of them do. But on the Baltimore side, there is the standout defensive lineman Calais Campbell, who is in concussion protocol this week, so he may not be playing. On the Steelers' side, they got T.J. Watt, 12 and a half sacks, uh, and he's not playing because he's in COVID yes. protocol. So yes. there is the potential for a little bit more of a, you know, kind of a, a higher scoring game potentially. So I, uh, I, I will absolutely take the Steelers, um, and I think they can possibly squeeze out of an overtime victory at home uh, against the Ravens on, on 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 Sunday. So I will definitely take your action. Okay, for me to win this bet, though, the Ravens have to win by five. No, nope, we're going to go four? straight money. We're, we're, we're going straight money line. We're going straight, straight money, line. money line. Straight money line, which means you're picking a winner and I'm picking a winner here. So okay. Um, okay. I'm saying the Ravens are going to win this game. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm saying the Steelers are going to win this game. And, and oh, you yeah. are saying the Ravens are going to win this game. Um, yeah. But that's not the future matchup of this week. You know, right, right? There's one game this week that is must-see oh, yeah. TV, right? That is absolutely going to have the especially in Canada the you know amazing ratings because it's the Bills and the Patriots coming up this Monday the Bills and the Patriots this one's been uh I feel like this one's been circled on the calendar for a few weeks 
Yeah. And again, I, these bills, I don't know what's up with these bills. I don't know what this team is. I, uh, I want to go with the Patriots. That's who, uh, that's who I'm leaning towards. Yep. Patriots are the hottest team in football right now, right? Six straight wins. They have a quarterback that looks like he could be, I mean, he, he's, he's a lock for rookie offensive player of the year, but it looks like he could be in the MVP conversation to some degree. The guy is playing out of his mind, right? So that might be a little bit, uh, a little bit much for now. But I'm just like he's fitting into that Belichick system almost perfectly, almost perfectly, right? Kind of dinks and dunks down the field, completing seventy five percent of his passes. Don't turn the ball over, and they've been running the ball like beasts over the last little bit. Um, so we'll see. I, uh, I, I am gonna take the home team in this one. I think, I think the bills got something to, you know, got something to prove here. I think that they, I still think the bills are the best team in the AFC. Um, they haven't been playing like it for the last couple of weeks. Right. And, and again, this is a, uh, another defensive matchup. Um, I think that, you know, cause new England has held their opponents to 13 or fewer points in five of the last six games. And they are right now first in, uh, in uh, a point uh, points per game, 15.8, uh, giving up uh, 15.8 points per game. And I think the bills are second. Uh, in that stat with 16.5 points a game. So very, very close on the big 10 side of the ball. Look, no one has taken a whole stranglehold of the AFC. You know, Tennessee is okay. They lost mm-hmm. their big guy. Baltimore has been playing like garbage. Kansas City is starting to play better. Um, the Patriots are hot. Give me the Bills. I will take the Bills, and I feel very comfortable in in taking the Bills in this pick. So Josh Allen throwing seven interceptions over the last four games does not concern you? Absolutely, it does. Hundred percent, it does. Okay. Um, I, but I think, yeah, no, I, of course, absolutely, it does. I think, and I think the fact that the defensive, uh, you know, the defensive prowess, especially of New England over the last little bit in terms of their takeaways, it is, it is a scary thought. But that, uh, it, when that offense gets growing, and they got Matt Breda in the backfield now, a bit of a bigger back to, to you know, to complement Singletary. Uh, and I think the, the guys on the outside, right? Stefan Diggs is, I don't think he's, I think he's unguardable as a, as a kind of as a receiver when Allen, especially when they play at home, the bills take on a completely different personality when they play at home. They have that kind of that bills mafia backing over there. And I think, uh, I think especially again, you know, I'll say home teams, uh, on Monday, on, on primetime games, whether it's a Thursday night game, Sunday night game, Monday night game. There's just a bit of a different vibe in the vibe in the air. I think I'm convincing you right now to jump on the other side, but I am taking the Bills uh, for this game, and I feel very and I feel very, very, very comfortable in that pick. You're making a lot of good points, and it's making me <laughs> nervous about this pick. But I keep seeing Bill Belichick's face flash before my eyes, like his little head in the little hoodie, and there's just something that I I don't know. I that's I guess that's where my hope lies in that he's yeah. just gonna keep this team rolling they've won and covered six straight and uh, yeah. i don't know i don't know but <laughs> well, no, i mean we talked about Diggs being you know we talked about Diggs being a kind of uh, kind of a game changer on offense and one thing belichick is known for is you know game planning to take that one guy out of the game so it takes your best option out of the game and forces you to to go a different route uh, I just think the Bills have enough offensive weapons, you know, Cole Beasley and again Breda mm-hmm. and Singletary in the backfield. Josh Allen in his feet. Never mind. I like, forget about him throwing the ball and seven interceptions and stuff. I think the a, a big difference is him tucking the ball and running, uh, kind of in yeah. that in that in that cold Buffalo air on a Monday night. Uh, it's going to be a great game. I will be watching that game. Uh, that for me is you know besides the the CPL final on Sunday afternoon. That is must see TV for me because I think that and they play twice in the next uh, three weeks, I believe. So they played on Monday night. And then not next week, I think the week after they play again in New England. So this is the beginning of some really interesting um, positioning in the in the AFC. And what's interesting this year, because of the you know, kind of the increased season, only the first, only the first uh, seed in each division gets the first round by. So that first seed, and right now it's Baltimore, New England, and uh, Buffalo that are really fighting for that top three. So these next few games are going to be really, really important. So those those teams that have home games. Home primetime games, I think, uh, I think have a bit of a leg up, but Huge. we'll see. Huge. What is the line on this one right now? The line right now is three points for Buffalo. Three points for Buffalo. So Buffalo is a minus three right now. But you know what's especially interesting about this is the total, uh, the over-under. Uh, we talked about how defensive, you know, these both these teams are. But quite frankly, we've seen them both explode in big offense. We've seen Buffalo, you know, put up 40, 45 points easily by themselves over the last few weeks in, in a few games. Uh, right now, the total is 42. Right. So that's oh. saying that this is going to be a very, very, very low scoring affair. And that's I think it's the lowest total on the board for this entire week, uh, even lower than, you know, like 
Yeah, actually, no, sorry. The, the Giants and the Dolphins are at 41. But uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you can laugh and I can laugh as well. But, you know, the fact that this is even close to that game, it, it indicates, you know, the, the expectation is a, a significantly defensive battle. I don't know what the weather's going to be like, but you can, I'm sure it's going to be cold and blistery in, in, in Orchard Park or in on a, on a Monday night. So that is going to be a fun game to watch. Okay, let's uh, let's lock it in. Patriots for lock me. it in. The Bills. Uh, I've got the Ravens, and you have the Steelers. And I'm crossing my fingers here very tightly. We will see how all of this goes down. Um, and that's it, Brad. Uh, we're going to play the Brad interview here right away. But have a great weekend. Have fun at the Argos game. Thank Can't wait you. to see which quarterback is playing for Toronto <laughs> on that day once this COVID protocol gets sorted out. Uh, and there you go. Good sports weekend coming up. Awesome. Have a good have a good weekend. Looking forward to, to hearing the, the, the Brad conversation. Have a great weekend, Natasha. We'll see you soon. Awesome. You too. Okay. We are very pleased to welcome Brad Gushu to the podcast, fresh off winning the Canadian Olympic curling trials. Brad, congratulations. First of all, you're back at home. It's been what, five or six days since you won? What are your emotions like right now? Uh, you know what? It's still sinking in because I'm still seeing some family and friends that I haven't seen since we won. And and to see the excitement that they have uh, for us going back to the Olympics, it kind of brings all that joy back. So just still kind of relishing in it right now. And hopefully that continues for a little while longer because it's uh, it's been a fun experience. How busy are you right now? I'm sure everybody wants a piece of you. Yeah, I've, I've been very busy, um, obviously trying to see family and friends and, and kind of celebrate this win. And there's been some media obligations and, and also trying to prepare because there's a lot of stuff coming at us to get ready for, uh, for Beijing. And then I'm also uh, finishing off my MBA. So I, I leave tomorrow to, to go to Queens for a week. Uh, so I'm trying to prepare for that. So uh, there's been moments over the last couple of days where I've felt pretty overwhelmed, but once I, uh, once I finish up my MBA, I'll be able to sit back, relax, and enjoy this a bit more for Christmas. Right. Take me back to the final. You're playing Brad Jacobs. Uh, not an easy opponent, obviously, by any stretch. Were you expecting such a tight match? Yeah, I was certainly expecting it to come down to last rock. It seems like whenever Brad and I play, I would say 90, 95% of the games come down to last rock. And we're pretty even throughout the course of our career. And uh, I was just happy we started with the hammer. And I knew that if we could keep control of the game and have that hammer coming home, it was going to be a big advantage. And uh, while we didn't have hammer coming home, we, we, we did manage to get the two point lead. So uh, we were in a good position and I, I still remember his last rock coming down the sheet. And I thought it was a little wider than what I thought it should have been. And I was like, no, they're going to make this curl and, and he's going to get to the nose. So I was preparing myself for the, for the extra end. And then when he rolled out, uh, just the shock in my face and the excitement was uh, when I look back at the video, I was kind of surprised. <laughs> I looked that shock. Right. But you, I mean, from the outside, it appears that you, keep it together pretty well. Like Brad is the other Brad is pretty fiery, right? You seem to be a little bit more calm and collected. I don't think either is good or bad, but you look pretty calm on the outside. Is it the same thing going on the inside? Uh, most of the time, yes. Uh, I did get pretty nervous there uh, in the last end. Mark missed his first one. And then uh, it looked like uh, Brad's team had a chance to lie three and we only had a two point lead. And I started to get nervous then because I knew I was going to have to make a, or felt like I would have to make a really good one just to get to an extra end. Mm -hmm. um, and then Mark Kennedy got a little bit of a miss. And then Mark Nichols uh, on our team made a great shot to, to kind of put, put us in a, a good position again. So I settled down a little bit on my rocks, but there was a moment there where my heart, heart rate got really, really high. Right. Did you wish watch the women's final? Like that 10th end was ridiculous right i i did actually and, and it was a huge mistake for me to do it um <laughs> because i got really emotionally invested in it and yeah. when it when it finished i actually found myself in tears and uh i knew the my emotions were running high leading into our game because i was so excited for jen uh but then i was heartbroken for tracy like i i felt both teams emotions and I was like, this is not how I want to prepare for a final tonight. Me actually in, in my room alone crying. Um, 
but it, you know, that was a tough final for both teams. Uh, you know, the, the roller coaster that both teams were on, I can't imagine. I really can't, you know, we were, I think Brad and I were fortunate enough to have a game that was tight, but we didn't have moments where we thought we were going to win. And then moments we thought we were going to lose. And, uh, that, that, that had to be hard for both teams. I, you were not the only one in tears because I was watching too. And I just look, I mean, watching Tracy, like you said, it was just, just, I don't know how the two of them collected their emotions again to go into that 11th end. That's just, that was incredible. Can you think of a moment like that where you had to kind of regroup? Off the, off the top of my head, I, I really can. I'm, I'm sure it's, it's happened over the course of my career, but nothing at the level what they went through in such a big game, like an yeah. Olympic trials final, um, and to be honest, I'm not sure either one of them really composed herself in the last end. I don't know if it's even humanly possible to, to come back from that, but, uh, wow, it just, it was, it was crazy. Um, you know, I, I, and, and like I said, I, I feel for both teams. Like I can't imagine what Jen went through after missing, you know, yeah. a shot that she would make probably 95% of the time. And, uh, and then Tracy to, to miss on her last one. It just, Yeah. I want to stop talking about it because it's still, we'll it's talk, still, it's, it's it's still gets me right now. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. It made, it made for excellent TV. It, oh my God. Did it ever. Yeah. I was glued to the couch, um, all weekend. So, okay. So you're going back to the Olympics. It's been, uh, what, 15 years since you've been there. Yep. What have you learned and has your perspective changed at all heading into these games? Yeah, it's, it's changed dramatically. Um, you know, 16 years ago, I was 25. I was engaged, no kids. Uh, I don't, I wasn't working at the time. I was completely focused on just curling. Uh, and now I'm 41, uh, business owner with two kids, married, mortgage, all the stuff that comes with being, you know, 41 year old with, uh, with wife and kids. Uh, so my perspective has changed dramatically. Like curling isn't the be all and end all that it was 16 years ago. And, I actually think that perspective has helped me. Uh, it's helped me stay calm in some of those big moments because if we weren't fortunate enough to win on Sunday night, I knew my life wasn't going to change. Um, I'd be disappointed for you know a couple of days or a couple of weeks, but I knew I'd get over it and and life would go on. Uh, so I didn't have that feeling 16 years ago. Like I felt if if we didn't win that game to get to the Olympics, my life was over, you know, that's, right. that's the, the level that I've, I've changed over the last 16 years and, uh, it's made curling easier. And it's also made it a little bit more fun to be honest. Right. So when you won Olympic gold in 2006, you became the first Newfoundlander to ever win a gold medal at the Olympics. What does it mean to you to represent your province in your hometown? Yeah, it, it, it means a lot. I, I love where I come from. I'm a very proud Newfoundlander. Uh, I think it's the best province in the country and, and the people here are incredible. So to get an opportunity to represent Newfoundland anytime, I'm, I'm proud to do that. And, and to do it at a, on a world stage at an Olympic game, also representing all Canadians, I think it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm struggling to find the proper words to, to articulate it, but uh, I, I, I feel a lot of pride doing it. And, and I know I know when we go this time, it's going to be a little different than 16 years ago because, you know, we, we felt like we carried that burden a little bit of, of representing our province. I think this time around, again, um, I, I don't feel that pressure because if we don't win, our province is still going to be very proud of us. And, and I think the country will as well. So, um, yeah, it, it's going to, it's going to be fun. I know our province right now is, is very pumped. The reception we've got over the last four or five days, uh, people still recognize me really well with a mask on. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be fun a couple months leading up to the Olympics and, uh, and certainly after it. Amazing. Uh, curling rinks go through a lot of personnel changes. You've, you've been through a few of them with your team. Can you speak to the chemistry that you guys have right now and how it works for you? Yeah, I, I can. Uh, early in my career, I, I went through teammates like underwear uh, until I kind of found this group. And the reason I think we've stayed together so long and had the success that we've had is, is one, we, we all work very hard. Uh, so none of us look at a teammate and say, I wish he'd play, practice more. I, I wish he'd train more. Uh, and then we all really enjoy each other. 
Like we give each other a really hard time after games. And if, if someone misses a certain shot, they, they hear about it in, in a joking way. You know, yeah. it's always just these little, little chirps um, that I think are, it's, it's fun and, and kind of keeps everything a little bit light for us. And we like to smile. We like to joke around on the ice and, and it just makes it enjoyable to go out there. And, and that's why we've lasted as long as we have uh, is that chemistry that's, that's kind of been built and, and it's been a work in progress, to be honest. Like we've talked about it a lot about being, you know, open and more vulnerable and, and uh, you know, respecting each other. So if someone's not feeling it on a day, like it's not uncommon for us to, to say that to the other guys. So we can then help that player get to where they need to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's helped our consistency over the last eight years. I'm always impressed at the level of focus that all the teams seem to have. Like at these, like as a fan, when I watch all week, like I'm PVR in games, I'm watching morning, noon and night. And like, I can barely keep up. And you guys are obviously playing, which is way more intense. How do you stay focused over such a long period of time? It's a challenge. And, and generally in these longer round Robins, you find you have a game or two where you have the, that lull. Uh, I think the Olympic trials is a little bit different because it's just so intense that when you walk in and you see the other teams, like it, it's a different level uh, and it's hard not to get to that level. Um, so those lulls are, are probably a, a little bit less frequent uh, compared to a Briar or, or a world championship. Um but yeah, each time I went out, I could just see the teams and you could see it in their face and their body language. Like there was just so much intensity out there that uh, it, it was easy for us to bring it each and every game. But it also makes you pretty exhausted when when you're done. Like I'd go, I remember we played Epping, um, I think it was maybe Monday night and another tight game. And I went home and I was exhausted, like mentally exhausted yeah. because uh you know, it was such a tight game. There was so much stress, um, so much anxiety throughout the game that I slept really, really well that night. And fortunately we didn't play till the next night. So I had, had a good rest, but if we had to turn around and play the next morning, that could have been a challenge. Right. What about the physical side of it? I was looking, uh, looking up your bio on Wikipedia, which I, I don't trust ever. We were saying, but it says that you're a co-owner of orange theory. Is that true? First of all, you yeah. are myself and Mark Nichols are actually co-owners, co-owners in, in St. John's and I'm partners with Mark Dacey up in, in Halifax. Okay. And do you yeah. do the workouts too? I do. Yeah, I do. Um, I haven't done many over the last number of weeks, but, right. uh, but during the summer, I, I try and do three and four classes a week. Um, really enjoy it. We got a great membership base and, and, uh, you know, you get, you find a couple members in there that you try and keep up with and, and it's just, uh, yeah, I, I love it. And Mark does it as well. All of our teammates, uh, do it. Uh, Jeff's a member out in Edmonton and, and Brett comes by our studio occasionally, but, uh, it's a good way to stay in shape and, and it's, uh, yeah, it gets competitive, which is, which is fun. <laughs> sure. yeah. Okay. So you're off to the Olympics. Uh, what do the next few months look like for you as you prepare to go? Yeah, we're, we're still trying to figure that out, to be quite honest. Um, but I think for December, uh, you know, we're probably going to do a, a training camp in a couple of weeks where we all get here in St. John's. Because right now, Jeff is is living in Edmonton and uh, myself, Brett and Mark are here in St. John's. So Brett, uh, Jeff will come down for four or five days and we'll do some training uh, before Christmas. And then we'll likely take some time off over Christmas. And then after... After that, we'll probably do another training camp. I, we're playing a Grand Slam in Camrose, uh, which we're looking forward to. And then after that, we're still trying to figure it out. Uh, so we don't know when we're going to leave for Beijing or what we're going to do for a, a staging period. Uh, mm-hmm. That's all kind of up in the air. But I would imagine within the next week or so, we'll have that nailed down. Who do you think is going to be your toughest competition in Beijing? Um, I'll give you a few teams because <laughs> sure. it's going to be hard to put point one, but uh, obviously Nicholas Adin, he's had yeah. so much success on an international level over the last five, six years. Uh, Bruce Mallett, they've been, you know, one of the best, if not the best team over the last year, uh, winning three slams in a row. Uh, and Peter DeCruz is another team that, you know, they've, uh, they've been getting better and better, uh, grand slam winner as well. And then John Schuster defending champion. You, you can't, uh, you know, he's, I think this is his fifth time in a row, uh, going to the Olympics. So you can't count him out either. And, and there's still some other good teams. I know next week or, or I think it might be 
coming up now, um, the qualifier for the last three spots. So there's still potential of some really good teams getting in. Okay. Last one for you. I'll let you go after this. I am a huge curling fan. I watch it all the time. I have never played except for once in high school, but I just signed up for a curling league, which begins in January. Awesome. Any advice for me as a new curler? Any advice? Well, starting out, make sure you stay on your feet. Uh, as someone that's fallen on their face before, it is not fun. Um, so be safe, number one, but try and try and get out there with a friend or make friends right away. That's the easiest way to stay engaged in the sport because when you have someone else out there that's kind of going through the same thing that you're going through as a new curler, it, it makes it a whole lot easier. Um, you know, when you join with a bunch of experienced players, they're they sometimes don't understand the struggle of, of a new beginning curler. So right. uh, if you can find that one person to, to kind of uh, get you through that beginning stages, that that'll certainly help. And then just enjoy it. Don't expect to make too many shots because it's really hard. Uh, but once you make that first shot, perfect. It, it's kind of like golf. You, 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 it keeps you coming back for more, you know, when you make that, that perfect draw or, or that nose hit or, or run back or whatever shot it is, you, you want to see yourself do that over and over. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. That's exactly what I'm expecting is once I make that one shot, I'm pretty sure I will be hooked. So yeah, it, it may it. take a while. Well, <laughs> if, if you, if you've only done it once in high school, it may take a while to make that shot, but once you do, um, you're, you're going to be hooked. And, and I'll just give you a quick story about my, my daughter. She, uh, she turned 10 not long ago and, and this is her, her first year really curling. And the first few times she struggled to get it over the hog line. Cause she's, you know, only that tall. Yeah. Uh, but then I went down with her and she, she threw one and I swept it and it got right to the forefoot. And the excitement and the look in her eye, like I knew she's hooked and now she wants to go down every chance she can get because, uh, it was that one shot that kind of drew her back. Right. Amazing. I will keep that in mind when I am th- throwing miss after miss after miss. So be patient, be patient. Okay. All right. Good advice. Okay. That's it for me. Thank you so much. Like you, I said, I know you're so busy over there, so we really appreciate the time and, um, uh, I don't think it's too early to wish you Merry Christmas and good luck the rest of the way. I know a lot of people are going to be watching really closely. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you and uh, look forward to connecting in the future. Awesome. Thanks, Brad. You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanashevsky. Come on.